Welcome back to part two of the Hennessy Files podcast, proudly presented by Aloha Surf Manly. Looking at the uh, women's tour, you know, you've got Bells, you've got Margaret's, and I do believe you actually went over and, and surfed Margie's uh, little, little side trip. and uh, try, side trip, yeah. Yeah, just trying to get yourself accustomed to, to that wave itself. Where are you looking most? Like, wh- what venue are you looking on the schedule and going, oh, that is going to feel that good? Snapper rocks. That was like the one. And as soon as it got cancelled, it didn't even get postponed. It got cancelled. I'm like, no, please just cancel the whole year and restart again next year because I so want to surf Snapper, um, which is look like what is going to happen anyway. But um, I love right-hand point breaks. I love Snapper. J-Bay, I've surfed like for three hours once before and it is the most incredible wave in the whole world. Like, I can't explain it. It's a dream, isn't it? It's dreamy. It's cold, but it's dreamy. Like, it's a cold version of Snapper, kind of, but probably a little better, to be honest. Um, I was really excited for G-Land. I don't know how to pull it in my backhand yet, but I was kind of, <laughs> I intended to learn. I had all the intentions. <laughs> you either learn or you get pumped. 100%. But now there's talk of what, Tahiti? Is it? Chopes for yeah, girls? That is, that is true. So as we stand, everything's been put on hold. The tour is not going ahead at the moment. But there are certain things that come with being an elite athlete, and that is uh, the the weight of expectation, but also the fact that you'll now become a role model to the next generation. Are you going to enjoy that part of the sport? I definitely think so. I mean, I'm a bit of an introvert. I, I don't like all the attention being on me. Um, but I remember how it felt looking up to someone and just being in total awe of them. And I mean, it would feel great to be a role model for um, some young girls. Like, I mean, um, yeah, it, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Like, I, I wouldn't see myself as like a role model as such, but you I mean, I try to do all the right things. I don't do anything silly. Um, but yeah, it, it's, a, it's a funny one, isn't it? I, yeah, it'll be interesting. <laughs> the other th- flip side of it too is there's gonna be more attention on you when it comes to, you know, media like idiots like me trying to rope you <laughs> no, in for our fun. podcast. But uh, how do you, you know, how do you separate that? Because sometimes the media attention and all that sort of goes with it can really, really uh, be a hindrance in, in what you're trying to do, what you're trying to achieve. I think just, yeah, limiting it as much as you can or as much as I can really. I've got a good manager, Kurt Jacobs, who um, filters a lot of it and, Um, I do the ones that I know will be beneficial and will go to the right people and um, obviously you can't do everything. That's the hard part about it because I love to say yes. Um, I I find it hard to say no sometimes, which is one big thing that I've had to learn, especially since qualifying because there has been a lot of stuff going on. Um, But lucky now we got a lot of time for it. So it's good. It's actually been keeping me busy. Like I've had a lot of media commitments and um, I do really enjoy it. I love doing it and it, it is keeping me busy. But um, yeah, that's a big thing is saying no when I can um, and saying yes when I have to. Um, but, you know, I love doing this kind of stuff. I love having a good banter and, um, you know, yeah, at least, yeah, I love doing this kind of stuff. So your major sponsor is Billabong. They have an amazing team in both the men's and women's. Tell us about some of the trips you have gone on because it's one of the sickest perks about being a professional surfer. You do get to travel to some of the best spots in the world. What's been your favourite trip and where was it? Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, I've been on a lot of really fun trips with Billabong. More so, 
Hawaii at the end of the year is really fun. So they take all the girls over and say last year they rented out a house at V-Land right out the front of Velzies. Huge mansion. And then they had one up in the hills at sunset because there was so many of us. And so we all go there for like two weeks a year and just have a lot of fun, go surfing, hang, get to hang out with like a lot of the like my friends that I don't see all the time. Um, yeah, all the girls from overseas. So we, we do that. Billabong have been supporting me for five or six years now and I'm very, very grateful for everything they've done because without them, obviously, I wouldn't be able, be able to travel the world. It's a bloody big expense doing the QE. It's like 40 grand commitment per year. So... Um, wouldn't be able to do it without them and so many cool experiences they take me to Tahiti that was a really cool trip I did that when I was like 16 got to surf like Marea go swimming with sharks and all this kind of crazy stuff um, but yeah I, I'm really looking forward to more surf trips hopefully when everything starts to open back up again and all the borders get opened yeah I saw a clip of you somewhere in Indo last year where was that yeah so that was I actually made a clip so I went to Lakey Peak yeah then I went to Similu, which is off Band Arche. I'm not too sure which direction, but that was probably one of the most incredible Indo trips I've ever been on. Um, and then I went to Kuri as well. But yeah, so Billabong helped me get there. Those were cool trips. So they weren't necessarily with the team, but more so they just sent me to make my own content. And um, so the thing I went into last year was, I think I did a lot different. Like I wanted to go have fun, make a clip as well was a big one. So I went on three different trips to Indo and um, I practiced my barrel riding I got to actually surf some decent waves because you know when you it's it's a little bit of a well-known fact when you're on the QE that sometimes it's a bit subpar conditions um so I got to go do that and have a lot of fun making a clip I went with a lot of my friends too um and I think that kind of helped balance out the whole year in the sense of you know fun versus competition because in the previous years every time I'd go away I'd travel with a board bag and I'd go to a contest whereas this time it was like a lot of fun trips too so I actually got to really enjoy myself instead of you know get stressed. Social media and sponsorships are a massive part of the surfing landscape these days especially in the last 10 years since you've come on the scene. You dropped some pretty amazing clips. How important Isabella has it been for your profile to keep that engagement with the fans going and is it a drain on you sometimes? Social media is so important and I kind of wish it wasn't because it is a drain, like you said. But now I think a lot of um, like surfing contracts, you have like the social media clause in there where you've got to post a certain amount of times, obviously, because everyone looks at it and everyone goes and sees what you're wearing and they want to go buy it. So it makes complete sense. And there's times where I absolutely love it because I get to put out content like my Indo trip that I actually really enjoy making and going and doing. But then there's times where like, say now when... I actually have to go out and make my own content because it's not like I'm at contests getting photos and all this kind of stuff. It's like you actually have to go and do this as like a job. Um, and it sounds like I'm complaining a little bit. I actually like I go through phases where sometimes I feel like, yeah, Instagram is the best thing in the world. And then there's times where it kind of like I feel like everyone gets it. They see things and they go, damn, I wish I was doing that. Or, you know, it gets a little bit draining and I actually have to take a couple of weeks off it. Sometimes I delete the app just for my mental headspace because it just becomes a bit of a chore and a bit depressing. Um, but it's so crucial in the sense of like marketing, sponsorship. Nowadays, it's not just, you can't just be a good surfer. Like you need to be adequate at using social media. You need to be well-spoken. You need to be intelligent. Yeah, you need to surf well, obviously. Um, you need to be good looking and, and look good in the product too. And social media is kind of the best way to portray that. Um, otherwise, you know, people won't see what you're doing. And it's a good way to keep 
all your fans and um, supporters informed about like your going ons. But it's also sometimes you just want to turn it off and I just get so sick of my phone because I'm on it 24-7 and I just want to go on holiday sometimes, delete the app and I recommend it to everyone, just delete it for a week or so, get rid of it and then you come back refreshed, renewed and yeah, enjoying it again. So let's dive into your training and your diet. You do a lot of hard work on your training and the fuel that you put in your body is very important. At times it's really hard to get the younger generation to focus in and understand exactly why it's such an important part of being an elite athlete. So how do you go about it and what's your formula? Oh, uh, with the food part, I'm still working on it. <laughs> uh, my kind of diet is everything in moderation. Um, I love my junk food and I think everyone does. You'd be tripping if you said you ate like veggies every single day. Um, but I, I like a motto. I, I read this somewhere and it really resonated. It's like 90% has to be good food, like fuel food, your carbs, good carbs, good proteins, your good fats. 10% can be rubbish. You know, um, you see some of the marathon runners and all that. Obviously, they burn off a lot of energy, a lot more energy than we do surfing. But you see them like stuffing their face with like pizzas and like macas and all this kind of stuff. And you gotta, you gotta indulge sometimes. You know, you can't get rid of all the good stuff in life. But um, I definitely have worked on my diet more so in the last few years than when I was younger. I feel like it's one of those things when you're a grom, it kind of goes straight over your head. You're like, yeah, yeah diet, whatever. Like, it's not going to improve anything. But it really does, like putting the right carbs, like clean carbs, good fats like avocados, nuts, they're very crucial for like your energy. Um, I've learned that. That's been a really good help. Like before I go surfing, I'll grab a handful of nuts or a muesli bar. Bananas have been a, a lifesaver for me. I eat that before I go training, after, after training. Protein shakes, um, they're a big one too. Just trying to stay on top of like keeping everything balanced. So I'm not trying to be perfect. That's like... Um, not, there is not, there's no such thing as perfection, no, I don't believe. There's not, no, but if you try and be as good as you can be, obviously you can have a bit of fun every now and then. Like, there's no harm in that. It's not going to affect your overall, like, healthy well-being. But, um, yeah, in the terms of training, um, I, I've been really lucky. I've been working with Joe Parsonage down at Surfing Oz um, through the High Performance Program, and she's been helping me. Like, for, I actually started working with her at the start of last year, end of the year before that. So she's been on this whole journey with me since I've started doing really well. And um, now that I can't go in, she's been Skyping or Zooming me, whatever it is everyone's doing these days, um, every single day or every second day down in my gym. And um, just Can you w- not do one-on-ones at the HPC Centre? You probably can, but I've actually like, when they just started closing, you couldn't. And yep. I've really been enjoying working from home. Okay. So we've just continued doing that. And um, I'm sure I'll go back soon, but... In the meantime, I literally just set up my whole gym, so I've got all the equipment. And cool. um, but yeah, just working on all the the basic strength and mobility, keeping flexible, also while gaining strength. Um, I'm a bit of a twig, like I'm a praying mantis, and it's hard for me to put on weight too. So I've actually had to, if I just eat regularly, I know this might sound like I'm complaining, and it's like, oh, poor you, but I just lose weight really quickly. Um, so I got to eat a little bit more and it's hard for me to gain muscle weight, but she's helped me really like, I used to be like 50 kilos or something ridiculous like that, such a twig. And now I'm up to like 62 or something. And, um, it's really helped with, you know, you need a bit of weight behind you when you're doing turns, power and spray and all that. So I've just been working on all that kind of stuff. Your stretching regime, I would snap doing what you do, Uh. but giving advice to say a young male or female surfer coming through, how important is flexibility and the whole thing about the stretching? 
Oh, yeah. it's so so important. You I don't think young people really get it, do they? Well, I didn't when I was young. So, like, you know what I mean? It's also one of those things like the diet. You don't, you go, oh, yeah, whatever. Like, I'll be fine. But, um, yeah, I've started working with a guy called Takesh. And we're doing surf flow stuff. And it's about keeping fluid and mobile, but also being strong in those in those really weak positions. Um, so doing a lot of floor stuff, rolling, tumbling, all this kind of stuff, while also doing the core strength and mobility. I feel like it's a really, it, it merges together really well. Because if you just do one, and I used to be like this, I used to train my ass off and then I wouldn't stretch. And I'd have so many injuries. And I was told to stretch, but I never had the motivation to do so because I didn't see the benefits because I hadn't actually done it yet. But once I started doing it, it was just like a lifesaver. Like, I think I should have I should have had so many injuries, but because I've done all this stuff, your body can get into those positions and not snap. You know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, that's been great working with him and working on, like, also fluidity out in the surf too, like, instead of just being super rigid and just... Um, bit more creativity as well when you're doing all the stretching and yoga and mobility kind of stuff it's really helped if you want to be able to really accentuate what you do in the ocean you need to be ultra flexible because as your body develops and you get a bit older you end up copping a lot of injuries well you see kelly slater he's what 47 and he does yoga like every single day and he's just killing it still he's double jointed i'm pretty sure oh he probably is hey that would make sense Years ago, uh, Mick Fanning, after he came back from the hamstring where he basically tore it off the bone, I think, in Indo, uh, mm. his stretching regime was just next level. But to be an elite athlete, you have to really put in that effort to get it done. Yeah, and that's a hard part too is finding like the motivation to do that. Yeah. I struggle all the time, but you don't even need to like go, okay, I'm going to do it now. You could even in front of the TV do it for 10 minutes, you know, while watching TV or something and then do it another 10 minutes in the morning before you go surfing. If you break it up over a day, you don't have to sit down and stretch for an hour. You know what I mean? Like you can you can do it while doing something else too, if that's kind of your cup of tea. So that's what I found has helped for me too. A massive part of our junior development program within Australia is the HPC Centre at Casarina. It's a world-class facility. As a younger competitor coming through, how important was that facility in helping you develop within our sport? Oh, it's been incredible. Like, lucky I moved to Benora Point and that's just 10 minutes from Casarina where the centre is. And I started really working with them also at the start of last year slash end of the year before. Um, but I've been seeing Jason Patchell, the sports psych, who works through the Surfing Australia High Performance Program. And in those three years where I was having a really hard time, I started seeing him. And within half a year, I saw so many positive results. And, you know, flashback to a year later and my headspace and my mental strength was so much better, even just like by seeing him once every two weeks. Like I didn't, I was like, oh, you know, psychologist, I don't need to see a psychologist, but it's not, it's not um, that stigma around it. It's just, it's good to go and talk to someone about like, competitive strategies and how to help you with feeling pressure and all this because everyone feels it if you don't feel pressure while you're competing then you're a strange human being and he gives me tools to deal with it because I get really anxious um but yeah other other aspects there Michelle Mitchell she's like a career guidance counselor she helped me steer me towards a path of uni so she helped me with that aspect and she's been great like keeping me she's just a really good friend really like helping me with my uni doing all that kind of stuff and Obviously, Joe Parsonage, my my trainer, she's been great too. They have and Bead works there. Um, it's great to have like a an ex pro surfer 
who actually runs the head of the facility and the whole program. And so, yeah, it's it's just a really great thing that they're doing because they've got everyone up from like the talent ID group all the way up to the CT level and everyone uses like the same facility. So you could be in there and the grommets could be in there with Steph Gilmore or something and it's just so cool to like motivate them too. It's a wonderful facility for a, a young person coming up and trying to learn the sport because the people who aren't involved in the sport don't really realise there's so many different you know corners that so have to, to be worked to be successful at your craft it's not just about going out there and getting two waves <laughs> no. yeah the ocean is going to feed you that but there's so many pieces of the puzzle isn't there oh there are so many pieces like and that's also something that i realized um in the years where i wasn't really doing too well is it's just finding those two percenters like that's all it is you know eating well stretching sleeping well is a big one too um i found that that's been a real big help meditating and doing mindfulness was a huge help for me as well like not not sitting down for an hour and and doing breathing work even just doing mindfulness for like two minutes a day or three minutes a day just bits and pieces that really helped um with my mental space too but yeah it's such an incredible facility they've got the trampoline work too which is another little two percenter you know aerial work um skate ramp too. how do you go on the airs man you know working hard uh you know what now i want to use this time to work on my progressive surfing because I feel like I'm kind of getting a little bit not stale but I just do the same turns and I just want to learn you know I want to get a bit more flair I want to start learning to do airs because that's where everything's going nowadays like Carissa you know Caroline all the young girls like Sierra Kerr's living here now and she's just crazy um and I'm seeing that going oh boy I better start soon otherwise I'm going to be left behind pretty darn quick <laughs> I was listening to a podcast with Sal the other day I think it was the Howie Games and she talks about that because someone had asked her a question about airs and she said she spends hours she's good yeah trying to land airs and to get better and better so when she is in competition she's actually confident enough to to put that into her arsenal of different maneuvers the sport has definitely changed i mean they added those two little bits of the uh into the judging criteria it used to always be power speed flow that's always going to be part of that criteria but that innovation and big. yeah and progressive you know it's got to be in there i guess if someone does a crazy like tweaked air reverse compared to a turn like it's going to score a lot more on the women's side especially um but yeah i i another thing at the high performance program is they have a ski and we go do whip-ins and try airs and i've done it with sally a couple times and just watching her i'm like that's what i want to do like obviously i'm very beginner at it i'm trying my best but i'm long and gangly and a little bit awkward in the air but um it's cool to watch her and how she does it and i've seen some of the clips she's put up recently of her doing some air reverses and Man, like, that's the goal. Uh, are you a person who sets goals, you know, each year? Do you go in each year and, you, like, some athletes will sit down and write down a list of things they want to achieve in a year. How do you go about it? And and more to the point, where do you see yourself in five years when it comes to your surfing career? I think goal writing is super important. Otherwise, you just trot along with no purpose, for me anyway. Um, so, obviously, I have all those really big goals that I like to achieve, which is, like, top 10 on the CT, world title. Um, obviously qualifying was on my list of big goals too and I've ticked that one off. Um, and it feels great when you write something down and even you come back to it a couple of years later and you, or even a couple of weeks or months later and you go, wow, I actually did that. And it just feels so satisfying. And I never used to be a goal writer or a, a list writer or anything and I've had a, a big group of people around me, my support crew tell me that I should definitely look into it. And um, highly recommend because you can actually assess your progress that way 
like say I've got something on my list I want to learn how to really back and bow ride I want to learn to do airs and then when I finally tick those off it's just going to be so rewarding let's talk about the format changes WSL came out about three weeks ago with the announcement I'll tell you what I like about that announcement I'm still trying to wrap my head around the world title race being being basically one on one day and I'll tell you why I, I love the concept but what would worry me if a surfer dominated say let's say a surfer and it doesn't really happen but let's say someone won nine nine out of the ten events and yep. all of a sudden they get an injury going into the last event and and realistically through the years of you know asp wsl you know that'd be a dominant world title and a much deserved win but they wouldn't get that opportunity so the wct stuff oh, like the wsl with the with the tour stuff, I can get it, but I'm a little bit on the fence. What I do love, Bart, is the change to um, the regional. To Very met, cool, yeah, yeah. Because over the course of the years, I've, I've seen some great surfers, and you've probably seen the same thing where, and you spoke about it before, right? It was interesting that you said on the QS, people don't get it. Like to do a full QS season, it's about forty or 50,000. It's hardcore. It's hardcore. If you don't have the backing – you some people get to a point where they go can't do it can't do it and they're so talented too you're like man and it's i used to say it's a rich person sport it really is like it's hard yeah so the domestic stuff i'm really loving that i think ws have done a wonderful job and i can see what they're trying to get to after watching uh you know the world title race and the men's go down this year but I just would hate to see someone dominate so much and, yep. and, and then not get the opportunity due to an injury or something outside, you know, outside of their control. Yeah. Thoughts? I get your point. Um, that would just be so heartbreaking. Or say you're someone, say Sally Fitz, who hasn't won a world title yet, it's been so close, and she, say she wins overall throughout the whole year but then has to go and surf again against the other five girls and has an off day or something. Like, that would just be heartbreaking. Um I guess there's positives and negatives. Um, 100%. Like fan-wise, bloody oh. awesome. Like how good's that? Like last year with Italo and Gabby in the final coming down to the last heat, that was so intense and it's going to be so good to watch because um, like at least it's one in the water in a jersey, whereas um, like say with Carissa last year, she was in the locker room and it she relied on someone else to do the work. Where Like not the work, but like someone else had to like – Steph had to beat Caroline for her to win. It was out of her hands. Yeah, it was out of her hands, exactly. Now it's like the surfer actually has to step up and perform. Um, I just The whole thing is I don't know where it's going to be. It's going to have to be somewhere where it's very fair. It probably can't be like pipe or whatnot because there's obviously specialists who really excel at pipe and it's – I honestly don't know. It's it's still – It's a I great lo- concept. It but is it a great just, concept. Like there's just – There's little, little tweaks yeah, that they need to make. Um I mean, I, I like it. It's a change is good. Um, change is good and it's a really cool way that they're doing it to engage the fans and it's also going to make the surfers have to step up too. 100%. Um, sometimes, say, if you do really well in a few events, you might take your foot off the pedal because you know you're going to win a world title anyway, but it's like, you know, you actually have to go hard and train hard and it's just going to be, I don't know how long they're going to have the gap between the end of the season and then that final event, like what's going to go on? Will they give the surfers heaps of time to train for it, get prepared. There's a lot of questions still, but it's going to be interesting, like especially for all the vets on tour, having that full shake-up. It's like, 
oh, hold on, we actually have one more contest we have to compete in to win a world title. Like, what's what's going on here? I'd like to see some kind of recognition for the achievement during the year as as it, I like that, as, yeah. as it is traditionally placed. Yep. And then that exciting finale as well. I don't know how they Good work point. that, but I, th- I think. Now, on – we were discussing before we came on air about the Challenger Series, t- and they haven't quite worked out the nuances of how it's going to work either, but they're talking about with the Challenger Series are uh, somehow format formatting it where the, the surfers who do not re-qualify on the Championship Tour then get the opportunity to surf in the Challenger Series events and not have to wait out a full year to get back on tour. Like, I actually think that's I like brilliant. That. And it's good. I think they talked about it um in the sense that you know with contracts and stuff usually if someone's on tour and they fall off tour they get their contract cut significantly yep. and i think it gives them a chance to you know maintain that level of pay of what they were actually getting by having a chance to requalify again which is a big one because a whole year having to wait to requalify is a long time and i think it, like i know they spoke about it two years ago about doing it but i think they just didn't have enough time to kind of put all the right implementations in place but um i really like that idea i think it's brilliant and also for the surfers who are competing on both tours which is what i would have done this year and it would have been extremely difficult because i would not have been home now i can focus on the ct and then if i need to i can focus on the qs because i know a lot of surfers who actually competed on the qs on the ct sorry and were doing the qs and they requalified through the ct anyway they didn't have to do the qs so yeah. now you can go there's six girls or so who will act from the tour who fall off will actually need to do it. And it's going to be good for the QS girls because then they don't have to verse, you know, 12 CT girls. It'll only be six, right? Yeah. So it'll hopefully give some of the QE girls more of a chance too because they won't come up against, you know, your Carissas and your Stephs and your Tylers. And I mean, they don't really do the QS that much anyway, but like all your Cocos and Sallys and all that too. What I like about it is... Um I saw an interview a few months ago with Jaddy Andre and he spoke about how he came, very similar to you, came out of the blocks in 2019 on an absolute tear. Yes, he did. And, and he said that the issue was, because he was doing both tours, by the time he got to the back end of 2019, he was so cooked, he was gone. So it affected his performance probably on the world tour as well because yep. the fact that he he'd been traveling extensively over the course of the year because he wanted to make sure he was safe in that environment coming through the QS so this will allow guys to really focus in on and and the girls as well to focus in on the CTs and the challenger oh it's going to be epic like- it's like having two different tours yep. but f- as you said, if you're already locked in and you don't want to do the challenger, you can then go away and work on your craft. Yeah. And it's funny too because it's probably going to be the same amount of contests, but the fact that they're split up too, it's funny. It's actually a different mentality that's needed for yep. the QS and the CT. And when you blend them all together, it's hard to switch from QS mode to CT mode or what I think anyway. It looks like it because obviously the QS, sometimes you can scrape through heats. You don't have to perform at your absolute best and kind of burn yourself out. You can just do what you need to do whereas a ct i feel like it looks like you know you've got to bring your a game every single time because all the girls are bloody amazing but i i really like that i um that whole concept yeah in the sense that if you don't need to do the qs you don't have to kind of thing and you'll know at the end of the year on the ct calendar whether you need to do it or not and then in the end a lot of those girls can just have a little bit of a break you know they don't have to surf for what four months five months last question 
the the uh, you know the Olympics and you know the aspirations for yourself to to go to the Olympics now. J- uh, Japan has been pushed back because of the COVID nineteen situation, mm-hmm. uh, and they're talking about I- in two thousand uh, no two thousand twenty four that it may be in, in Tahiti. Yeah, what, that's what right. What do you what do you think of? Uh, would you, you know, first of all, you're I'm pretty sure you're a dual citizen, correct? I am. Yes. So, what would you think about going to the Olympics? Would that be just an, an amazing experience? Well, it's something that we never thought possible through the sport of surfing. Like it wasn't even on our radar until like three years ago. So it's like crazy now. It would be an absolute dream to go to the Olympics. Um, but yeah, the whole Tahiti thing, it's going to be interesting because, you know, you'll have those countries where I'm sure a lot of the surfers will be super, super capable, but there might be one or two where obviously knowing Tahiti and Chopu, it's quite an gnarly wave. And I'm sure a lot of people would prefer it to be in a beach break like Japan, but it'll make it more exciting for sure. And um, what a way to get surfing on the world stage, like Olympic wise, it's going to be crazy to watch. We'd like to really thank you for coming on today. And uh, I know it's been tough for all surfers all around the world, but for you as a rookie, trying to, you know, wanting to get your groove on and, and getting your uh, world to a career off to a start, we wish you all the best moving forward. And I'm sure that in the near future that, you know, the borders will open up and everything will go back to normal and you will absolutely blow up. So good luck and uh, thanks a lot for coming on to the podcast, Bella. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been my pleasure. Thanks, Legend. The Hennessy Files podcast series proudly presented by Aloha Surf Man. Thanks for listening and don't forget to check out next week's episode.